Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today I have a quick announcement to make before I introduce my guest for the day. So I am running a breakthrough workshop on Zoom, which is called Experience a Breakthrough in Your Eating Disorder Recovery. It's going to be on Sunday the 20th of February and it's running from 2 to 4.30 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time in the UK. So that is if you're In the USA, um, on the East Coast, Eastern Standard Time, that would be 9am to 11.30am. So I'm sorry, I know it's not going to be suit everybody all over the globe, but hopefully I can capture at least two of my major audiences within that time zone. So it's $29.99. It's going to be for two and a half hours, and I'm going to be sharing lots of my recovery tips to hopefully help you have a real breakthrough in your recovery and to help you look at things differently, to maybe view things from a different perspective that you haven't done before, and hopefully just to really inspire you around change. So if you're interested in that, please go to my website, theeatingdisordertherapist.co.uk, and you can find out more. And it's going to happen on Sunday, the 20th of February. Now, today I have another guest on the podcast, and I'm speaking to Carly Newberg from Portland, Oregon, USA. Carly is an author and freelance writer and editor. As an adolescent, she struggled with eating disorders, anorexia, bulimia, and exercise addiction, which has contributed to her passion for mental health and overall well-being. She's been recovered for four years and is now training as a mental health counsellor. And she recently worked in a residential treatment facility with those aiming to recover from eating disorders. Now, Carly recently published her debut book, Good Enough, Believing Beautiful Through Trauma, Through Life, Through Disorder. And in it, she shares her stories through messages of faith, forgiveness and trusting in the unknown. She believes that eating disorders are multidimensional puzzles with no one cause and that to move past them, we must trek through our past with open arms and compassion. I'm really looking forward to this conversation, to hear about Carly's recovery journey, what helped, hindered and supported her to find the healthier and more peaceful place she is in today. And I'm also intrigued to hear her perspective on eating disorders from a psychological slant and hear more about her book, and the journey to creating this. Let's get to the conversation. Hi, Carly, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. So, Carly, could I get you to introduce yourself to the listeners, please? Yes, absolutely. So, hi, everyone. My name is Carly Newberg, and I am the author of Good Enough, Believing Beautiful Through Trauma, Through Life, Through Disorder, Good Enough is a memoir of my personal experience going through an eating disorder, recovering, talking about childhood trauma and the effects that that had on my disorder, talking about perfectionism and also weaving in a lot of journal entries from my past. And yeah, the hope in writing Good Enough is to let people know that they aren't alone. And I just released the audiobook, which is very exciting. So 
since publishing my book, though, I've been pursuing other writings. I write for Medium, which is an online platform and writing community. So I publish content on there about two to three times a week. And I also work as a substitute teacher and do freelance writing and editing work on the side. So I am very busy. I am also a student in graduate school for mental health counseling, where I'd eventually like to finish that program and become an eating disorder therapist. But I am right now taking a leave of absence just for my own mental health, but hopefully I'll get back at it in the near future. So yeah, that's a bit about me. I live in Oregon in the United States in Baker City, Oregon. Thank you so much, Carly, for introducing yourself. And yeah, you sound incredibly busy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but there's a lot of flexibility with everything I'm doing. So that makes it nice for when I do need a little additional space for my own health. Mm, Yeah, and sounds so important, isn't it? Like balancing that self-care and filling up your own cup as well as doing all that striving and like really satisfying work. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So Carly, can I just ask you about your book actually? Like, Had you always wanted to write a book or when did you sort of feel inspired to write your book? Yeah, I have always wanted to write a book. I don't think that I thought I could actually do it. But, you know, I've been writing since I was eight years old. I started writing in my journal when I was separated from my mom for a couple of years. She gave me a journal one of the last times I saw her and she told me to write to her every day so that she didn't miss anything. She wanted to know what was going on. She wanted my journal to be a place where I could talk to her when I was missing her. And because we didn't have any contact, it really was my way of connecting with her. My first journal entries are like, dear mom, I miss you. I wish you were here. Super sad to look back at now, but it really did start this journey of self-reflection and just having it be a place where I could really pinpoint my emotions and the things that were happening in my life that were confusing. And so that sort of transformed into a passion for writing as I continued my education. My teachers were always giving me affirmation about essays I wrote and just how skilled of a writer I was, which it's a good feeling to hear that from, you know, people higher up than you. And so, yeah, I can honestly say I feel my most self when I'm writing and when I'm giving time and energy to writing. And so, I didn't make the decision to write the book until I started my recovery journey. And what really got me to the point of putting my pen to paper and actually starting was I was listening to a lot of podcasts. I was doing a lot of individual work to heal from my eating disorder. I never went to a treatment facility. I self-recovered which I know people don't hear of very often. And when I say self, I mean myself and a ton, a ton of resources (laughs) and a ton of support and love from people in my life. But yeah, definitely a little bit less traditional. But I was listening to a lot of podcasts about where people were sharing their personal story going through an eating disorder. I was reading books, I was talking to people, and I was mesmerized by the vulnerability that other people had and the comfortability that they had in sharing their 
experiences to help other people. And the more I learned, the more I was like, I have a story too. Like all of these people sharing their stories had inspired me to share mine and to help other people. And I felt so alone for so long that I was like, I want to do my part in helping other people feel less alone and knowing that they can make it through this struggle and that there are other people who have made it through the struggle. And actually that brings up, I was listening to sort of, I think it was your About Me Q&A that's on your website. And you talked about being a wounded healer and wanting to help people when you were still healing. And I mean, that resonates a lot because I was still in my disorder when I started writing Good Enough. By the end of it, I had recovered and was much further along, but it did come from a place of like, I'm very broken and like, I'm still healing, but I'm learning so much. And like, I want this for myself and I also want it for other people. So yeah, that's how that whole journey started. I started writing it in 2017. Like I said, I was 21. I'm 25 now. So some time has passed. It was a long journey, but I did it. Mm. Well, congratulations on, you know, getting your book written, because I think it's a dream, isn't it, that many people have, but actually following through on that, you know, it's quite a gigantic piece of work, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, including myself, really, I think, underestimate the process that goes into writing a book, but it is so rewarding when you do it and when you reach that lofty goal. Mm. And it sounds like actually perhaps the fact that it did take a little bit of time as well is it gave you time to work on your own recovery and I guess be moving forward and perhaps taking people on that journey? Yes. Yep. Originally, when I started writing the book, I tiptoed around my eating disorder. It was like, I'm going to write a story about the adversity that I've overcome because, you know, I did go through a lot of childhood trauma and even stuff that I'm still healing from. But that was more of the story that I was passionate about telling was like the story of my parents' divorce and how it affected me and getting myself a full ride scholarship to college when I didn't think I was ever going to go to college and just the determination and drive that got me to a lot of places. And the eating disorder was something I tiptoed around. It wasn't until 2019. So like two years after I had started writing, I was about 70% of the way through the book. And I started working with a developmental editor. And we were going through the first draft and going through the content I already had. And he just sat me down and looked me in the eyes and said, I think the story you're trying to tell is about your eating disorder. I think that that's the story deep in you that you want to tell, but you're afraid to tell it. And he was right. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so (laughs) confronted right now. But it totally was. And so a lot of the content in the first two years of writing was very cathartic. It was just a release for me. It was me trying to find myself. It was me trying to connect dots in my story. And when I finally put together the official first draft, it was more, okay, yeah, this is the story I'm going to tell and I'm going to be confident telling it. And it's okay if I don't have all the answers because this is a story of like personal experiences and even since publishing in 2020, my mind has changed so much on so many things. And (laughs) that's 
just the risk that you take with writing a book is that your mind will change and you will change. And that's because we're constantly growing or hopefully, I mean, that's the goal. And so you do kind of have to come to terms with the fact that like, you might not always agree with what you said, or you might change your mind about certain things. But if you continue writing, then I guess that makes for another book. (laughs) Mm, Yeah, exactly what I was thinking, actually. And I guess as well, you know, you'll take the readers with you, won't you? Because I guess some people will pick up your first book, and it will really just resonate with them so perfectly at that time. But yeah, by the time you write your next book, (laughs) it's going to be the next stage on the journey, isn't it? Yes, exactly. So Carly, would you mind sort of sharing a little bit about your sort of eating disorder history and, you know, of course, just what you feel comfortable to share? Yeah, absolutely. So I was never officially diagnosed with any specific eating disorder, but, you know, through my education and observation and just knowing myself and what I struggled with, I fell somewhere in between anorexia nervosa, bulimia and exercise addiction. My eating disorder started when I was like a sophomore in high school. So I was about 16 years old and I had started running on the cross country team through my high school. And I was affirmed a lot for how good of a runner I was, which I never knew I could run. I hated running and (laughs) somehow I got roped into coming and trying out running for the cross country team. And that really kickstarted just a obsessive relationship with calorie counting and healthy eating. And, you know, you're always told as a runner that you need to be super careful about what you put in your body. And if you eat like garbage, then you're going to feel like garbage on your run. And a lot of those messages I took to the extreme where it was like, I started to adopt a lot of strict rules that I thought were going to make me a better runner. And, you know, I didn't really love running, but I started to love it because I love the way it made me feel. But most of all, I love that it was a quick way or so I thought to change my body because I was really unhappy with my body. And I had been since middle school. And I mean, even just since a young girl, I grew a lot quicker than a lot of my friends. I'm pretty tall. I'm about six feet tall. And I always struggled to feel comfortable around my friends because a lot of them were smaller than me. They didn't have, I had very large like hips at a young age that I took a while for me to grow into them. (laughs) And so things didn't fit me right. And I just felt awkward. And so when I started running, it was like, this is the ticket. Like this is the golden prize. Like this is how I'm going to change my body and lose weight and feel better about myself. Because if I'm tiny, then all my problems are going to go away. And which, you know, we know that that's not the truth, but at the time it felt right. And so, yeah, I got really obsessive with calorie counting, with watching what I ate, with doing Google research on how to lose weight and all these silly tips and tricks. I remember there was one night I covered my body in plastic wrap because I was told that if you put cellulite cream on your body and then wrap your body in plastic wrap, then you'll lose weight quickly and you'll get rid of your cellulite, which I didn't have a lot of, but because of my struggle with body dysmorphia, saw a lot of. So yeah, started with running deep restriction and then 
once I started to, you know, I did lose a lot of weight. I lost about 30 pounds, which I was not overweight. I was healthy for my age and for my size. I started to struggle with binging. And after binge episodes, struggle with shame and guilt, which would lead to making myself feel better through exercise. And so yeah, running was really a way for me to purge the things that I had eaten, I struggled with the intake of laxatives, really anything to get rid of the food I ate, because I would punish myself when I stepped out of line. So that's really what I struggled with was the restrict binge and purge cycle for about five to six years. Clear until college, I continued running by myself in college. And then I also got really into weightlifting and building muscle. And yeah, and even got to a point where I thought I had recovered and I really just swapped one eating disorder for another. So yeah, that's a little bit, and I can go into detail on any of those things if needed, but that's a little bit of a, an overview, I guess. Mm. Yeah, no, well, thank you so much for sharing. And I guess just what sort of struck me is, you know, I think some of the sort of themes that you talked about there, like being taller and, you know, being really uncomfortable in your body. I think as a teenager developing, we just so want to fit in, don't we? And I think any difference can just feel a bit excruciating. You know, I can think of several people I've worked with where if they've, you know, been taller than their peers, that's been something that's just made them more self-conscious and not so happy with their body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely felt that I always wish that I could just like, chop off the bottom half of my legs and be shorter, because then I would maybe blend in and wouldn't feel so out of place, which is sad to think about now, because, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people wish that they were tall. And it's like, we always, we always hate what we don't have. The grass is always greener somewhere else. But now it's my height is something that I appreciate. I've learned to love the things that I hated before. And I think that that's a major sign of recovery and it's one of the really exciting things that happens in recovery is just like learning to love the things that maybe you hated about yourself before. Mm, Yeah, no, it's so true, isn't it? Finding that almost sort of radical acceptance of one's body and yeah, really appreciating the things that you may have like loathed and been so harsh on yourself about before. Mm -hmm. And maybe not even you know, loving them, but learning to at least accept them is mm. a good starting place. Definitely. I think body neutrality is a kind of good goal, isn't it? As a, you know, starting point. Yeah, sometimes otherwise it can just feel too much or too unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's really nice that we're starting to see more body neutrality, like throughout media and people opening up about their stories on social media and different clothing brands highlighting bodies of all types I think that all of that stuff is just makes you hopeful for the future and yeah yeah Mm, yeah there's a lot of progress being made isn't there there's still a long way to go but it's we have come a long way and I think I say like definitely sort of probably like your generation you know and like younger people coming through are just really like turning over those old like ideals and questioning things and embracing diversity and it's just so wonderful to see Mm -hmm. yeah we definitely got to keep it up though because you know on the other side of it there's a lot of other content being promoted that isn't always helpful and only contributes to the pattern of disordered eating 
Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It? There's, a, there's a lot of it out there. But anyway, Kylie, yeah. back to you. Obviously, like you said, you didn't have sort of traditional like support therapy treatment or whatever for your eating disorder. So how did you sort of go about your own recovery? Like, can you talk us through that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the big turning points in my journey was in a college course that I took called Family Communication when I was an undergrad. And up until this point, I struggled a lot with just being in denial about having an eating disorder. And even though I knew in the back of my mind that like what I was doing was probably an excess and maybe not the healthiest for me, it was really hard to admit that to people who were concerned about my overall well-being because I really struggled with admitting when I was doing things wrong. I think that that's something I've really had to grow out of is like accepting and admitting when I'm wrong and being able to like apologize to myself, being able to apologize to others and recognizing that like it's okay to not always be in the right and you're not always going to be in the right because we're human. But yeah, up until that point, it was a lot of denial. It was a lot of trying to convince people in my life that I was not struggling, that I was taking care of myself. And I went to this class one morning and was sitting in the front row and my professor started talking about eating disorders. And I didn't know that that was going to be the topic of the day. But as he talked about it, he was going into detail on how the individual is affected by an eating disorder, how the family is affected. And I got so uncomfortable. (laughs) I felt like, you know, he was talking directly to me, like everyone in that room knew that he was talking about me. And it was just like, when your face starts to get hot and your palms get sweaty and you're just like, I need to get out of here. (laughs) And yeah, so it was super confrontational, but it got me to this place of recognizing like, oh, like, yeah, I do have an eating disorder and I am struggling with one and like, I want to get better. And I'm sure that there was a lot of other content like that, that was presented to me that I just maybe was closed off to at the time. But there's something about that college course in that day that really stands out as like the turning point where I was like I am committing to this like I know it's going to be hard but I don't want to keep hurting the people around me I also most importantly don't want to keep hurting myself and so yeah I went home I went to my dorm after class and I called my mom bawling and I told her sorry because out of all people I was probably the hardest on my mom during my eating disorder you know, my disorder was a major way for me to cope with a lot of the childhood trauma that I had endured. And losing contact with my mom affected me in several ways. But when we regained contact, I still held a lot of resentment against her and was mad at her for not being there for certain parts of my life. I was mad at my dad. I had so much anger inside of me. And my eating disorder was like a place that I felt I was able to somehow manage that anger, even though a lot of it was suppressed, but it was a way of sort of keeping it suppressed and feeling like I had control over it. But I hurt my mom in a lot of ways. And so I called her and I apologized and I told her I was going to do the work to get better. So I started going to counseling. That was really helpful. And 
honestly, if I could think of one thing that I wish would have happened earlier in my story, it would have been like having my parents or people who were concerned about me who weren't maybe able to help me get me professional help. I think that that would have been really transformative because, yeah, I mean, as much as those in my life loved me, they don't have the same skills and even education on eating disorders. And I have a lot of compassion on those people in my life now for doing their best. I'm glad that there are people who were concerned about me, but what I really needed was like professional intervention of some sort. And so, yeah, I started going to counseling and then I decided that I was going to go study abroad in Australia for Mm -hmm. half a year. (laughs) And, (laughs) And so I was planning that trip and I was like, I'm going to go for as long as I can, which was six months. And I had never left the country. And so I was like, I'm going to go do this thing. And when I started packing for Australia, I was laying out my exercise clothes. And I just had this moment where I was sitting on the floor. I had all these folded exercise clothes and my running shoes. And I just took a pause and I was like, no, like, we're not going to do that we're not going to take our disorder with us into this new experience and this new beginning into this place that's supposed to be full of adventure and fun. Like we're not taking this huge Mm. because it really is having an eating disorder feels like this huge piece of luggage that's tied around your waist and you have to take it with you everywhere. And it feels like a heavy burden and like there's really no way to separate yourself from it. But that was, a time in my story when I decided that I was going to separate myself from it, that those exercise clothes weren't, that I could take a couple things, but that we weren't going to turn this exciting adventure into more of a disorder. And I think back to, you know, a lot of memories and moments when I was struggling and it's hard for me to remember details of certain experiences because all I can remember is the disorder and the thoughts that I was consumed with and the rules that I was constrained by. And I didn't want that to be the case when I went abroad. I didn't want to come home and be like, wow, I don't remember anything from that trip because all I remember is like weighing myself constantly and like listening to the rules and the commands from the monsters in my head and like I didn't want that experience for myself. And so when I went to Australia, I took my first time ever, I took a week off of all exercise, which like at the time was <laughs> a really big milestone because I was exercising every day for hours a day, sometimes multiple times a day. And so that was huge because I you know, realized I'm like, wow, like my body actually hasn't changed. Like I didn't exercise for a week and I'm fine. Like I'm still living, I'm breathing, (laughs) which was a big wake up call for me of like, okay, I can do this. And so, yeah, you know, Australia and being in a different country and meeting new people really opened up this new door of like, I can be whoever I want. I can share with people whatever I want. And thankfully that choice that I had turned into me being vulnerable about what I was going through and finding other people to connect with and finding other people to support me. And so 
therapy and going abroad really helped me. When I was studying abroad, I started a journey of intuitive eating, which I still follow now. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of reading. And like I said, I listened to a lot of podcasts. And I think out of everything, personal narrative is what helped me most and vulnerability from others was so important because I hadn't ever felt that scene. I felt more than anything judged and misunderstood by those in my life. I didn't know anyone else like at my high school or in college that was struggling with an eating disorder. I was afraid of the words eating disorder and to hear people talk so openly and to hear them lay out in detail certain behaviors that I struggled with, I realized that I wasn't crazy. I realized I wasn't alone and that this was a pretty normal thing that millions of people go through and come out of on the other end. And so that really helped me. And I continued intuitive eating. I continued my journey of vulnerability, therapy, all of those things when I got home and being able to ask for support when I needed it, which is super hard, but so necessary. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that, Carly. And I guess what really struck me is, you know, that sort of pivotal moment, really, when you phoned your mom and you opened up that communication. And then secondly, going to Australia and really making that conscious decision, I guess, to want that trip to be full of adventure and fun and realizing that you didn't want those ED rules to be kind of jeopardizing it and sort of saturating the memories of the trip. But again, like, you know, being open with people, asking for support, being vulnerable. So it sounds like that you're saying you finally perhaps felt more seen and understood and much less alone. Mm -hmm. Much less alone. And yeah, less shame also. You're covered in so much shame when you're struggling with an eating disorder. And it's really freeing to come out of that shame. And one of the things I talk about in my book are the monsters in my head and how the monsters in my head made me believe a lot of nasty lies about myself. And they kept me super hidden from a lot of truth about myself. And so recovery really opened up this door of less shame and more acceptance and yeah, community. Mm, that's wonderful to hear and Carly would you mind sharing some of the books and also perhaps podcasts that really helped you on your journey yeah so the first podcast I ever listened to is called the recovery warrior podcast and it's Jessica Flint she runs the recovery warrior show and she brings on all different kinds of people who have gone through and recovered from eating disorders and interviews them super helpful podcast for me the well and weird show it's with holly lowry she's also recovered and does a lot of independent podcasts but also brings on some other recovered individuals and also loves to dissect like diet culture and maybe like faulty articles that are published she she's great with that kind of stuff which i appreciate i know that she took a pause for a while from her podcast but i think she's back to doing it now the Hungry for Healing podcast is by my friend Emily, Emily Formia. She is super big eating disorder advocate and self-love supporter is what she calls herself. Mm-hmm. And 
yeah, I actually did an episode on her podcast probably about a year or so ago. And yeah, she's just an amazing, amazing human. Let's Thrive podcast by Emily Cycles. She's also one of my social media friends who we started recovery around the same time. And she, with her story, decided to start a podcast. And now she talks about all things diet culture, self-love, healing, trauma, very, very educational. And then, you know, some of the books that helped me, the main one that comes to mind is Eating in the Light of the Moon by Anita Johnson. I really, in that book, learned a lot about like the feminine, the divine feminine and divine masculine that we all carry and like how that contributed to how like the uneven balance between the two contributed to a lot of my eating disorder behaviors. Also like growing up, how I experienced life as a young girl, how that contributed yeah, very helpful book. And then Hunger by Roxanne Gay, a memoir. And then Lighter Than My Shadow by Katie Green. It's like a graphic novel. And she talks about her journey. It's also a memoir, but her journey going through anorexia and recovery. So like I said, I love personal narrative. And so other memoirs really are what encouraged me to write my memoir. And then also all of Brene Brown's work was super useful in for helping me overcome my struggle with perfectionism and also for helping me get more in touch with vulnerability and being more comfortable with being vulnerable. Mm. Gosh, well, thank you so much for sharing all of those fantastic resources. Absolutely. Yeah. So Carly as well, if there are any of those that are like your particularly like, say your top three podcasts, your top three books. Yeah. Could you like to send me the links and I'll put them in the show notes because I'm sure people listening will be just really eager to get hold of those resources. So helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. I actually, I have an entire article with all of my top resources for recovery that helped me. So I'll just send you that article. If that's a good place oh. to point people. Perfect. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, you're a step ahead of the game. Yay. <laughs> so Carly, do you have anything sort of new coming up or anything that you wanted to kind of mention or promote or, you know, that's kind of going on for you at the moment? I think, you know, the latest piece of news that I've been sharing with people is my audiobook is out. I decided to publish my book in paperback, hardback and audiobook format, but The audiobook is the most exciting, in my opinion, because I narrated it. So it's me telling my story and, you know, I get emotional at certain points, but it was really fun to do and I learned a lot. But yeah, I think that that's something that people should look out for is the audiobook if you prefer to listen to books versus reading them. And then, you know, like I said, I'm publishing new content every single week on mental health and eating disorders and just overall well-being. And so maybe we can put a link to my Medium account too, where people can check out recent writings. Yeah, those are probably the, the main two things to look out for. Yeah, and it's sure. Well, I'll make sure that, you know, the links to the Medium and your book are all in the show notes. And if people want to find you on Instagram or your website, could you just tell us how to find you there? Yep. So my Instagram is underscore Sincerely Carly. And then my website is in the process of being remodeled. So it's still by my old Instagram name, which was Believing Beautiful. 
but my website's believing-beautiful.com. And if anyone wants a signed copy of my book, I love to send little personalized notes and you can get one there on my website. You can also find some other writings and work that I've done the last couple of years. Okay, well, that's wonderful. It sounds like so many great resources there, Carly. So I'd like to really just... Go on. I was just going to say, I just remembered that there's an entire resource tab on my website too with eating disorder resources if that's more appealing than the article to people. Okay, well, no, wonderful. I mean, it's just great to hear that there's this kind of whole library and collection of information, which I'm sure so many people will find helpful. Mm, yes. So Carly, I just want to really thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and for sharing your story and being so open and vulnerable. I really appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for having me in. Yeah, just thank you to everyone who listened, gave it a listen. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope we can connect. Thanks, Carly. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as I did. Do go and check out all of Carly's info and all the info about her book as well in the show notes. If you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at The Eating Disorder Therapist. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to the eatingdisordertherapist.co.uk. And just to highlight again, if you're interested in my Breakthrough Recovery Workshop on Zoom, that is on Sunday, the 20th of February from 2 to 4.30 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you'd follow, rate and review as it helps the podcast reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.